This was an unusual job for Ollie. It was a protection job, an escort mission. You see, most of Ollie's work is in, you know, investigating people, investigating strange happenings, an oddly frequent amount of fighting giant monsters, the occasional trans-dimensional wizardry nonsense. But in this case, he was kind of part of the security team for this actress who was in town. She wasn't exactly in town, actually. She was passing through. The actress lived in D.C. and was on her way to a, a job, an acting gig, up in Philadelphia. And they wanted Ollie to be part of the team to get her there safely. Well, it was a little bit unclear about why this person needed that level of security because I mean, that's hiring a private detective. That, that's, that's a lot. You know, that's like the president is traveling level of security. And this actress wasn't even really somebody that Ollie was familiar with. Her name was Marge Bouvier. But, you know, they were, you know, it was a paying gig. All I needed to do was go down on the train, meet them at their departure point down there in D.C., kind of scout the route, and she, he'd recommended some routes to pass through Baltimore without any difficulty, and then he was to be there as part of the convoy passing through Baltimore. They were going to travel in a minivan and two cars. So this, I got there on the day because only about, I don't know, 20 minutes after he got to the meetup point in D.C., which was sort of near the, um, the National Arboretum, there was an attack, which I was really not expecting at all because, honestly, who tries to assassinate actresses anyway? See, all he had gotten there and we saw the actress, Ms. Bouvier, and she was, I mean, beautiful, almost otherworldly beautiful. It, she almost didn't even look like she was real. And, you know, that's part of how people end up being famous actresses, all I supposed. Being so interesting to look at that you're not even sure if they're beautiful or if they're... Alien. But Molly was there to do a job. So he had started, you know, casing the joint, walking around, seeing what he could see, looking for any strange occurrences, any strange people. And he had just started to watch this one particular person who was off in the corner uh, doing like janitorial type things because it seemed like they'd been taking a long time to empty the trash cans. 
And sure enough, that fake janitor person, when he got kind of close to where Miss Bouvier was, dropped the mop and started running toward her. He pulled some kind of club out of his, you know, janitor outfit. Oh, I didn't know how to deal with that one because that guy was not very slick and her regular security guards, you know, pounced and tackled him, zip-tied his hands behind his back and called the police and had him hauled off. But it was not exactly an auspicious start to what I thought it was supposed to be an easy job. The rest of the sort of rendezvous down in D.C. time went uneventfully. Well, I got a chance to chat briefly with, with Marge. Seemed nice enough, a little distant, a little cold, but, you know, reasonably pleasant person. Not very conversational. But that's okay, I said. I'm not here to make friends. I'm just doing a job. And so they had Ollie in the lead car because they thought if we're passing through the area that Ollie knows really well, that yeah, that would make sense, that Ollie could watch and recommend. And also he was helping to lead through the route. They decided to take, uh, to not take 83, but rather to go around the Beltway on the uh, the west side of town. That that would be, that you know probably no one would bother them. And so... They got up 95 and got onto the Beltway. And right as they were about at, if you imagine Baltimore's a clock in the Beltway, as you know, being the round part of the clock, it was about 9 o'clock, which is where Route 70 spurs off and Route 40 and 70. I was shocked to see two fast motorcycles pull up aside and start threatening the car with with Miss Bouvier in it, which was the car behind Ollie. How on earth did they even know we were here? Well, that's weird. Um, what are we going to do about that? Ollie had to think fast, because Ollie had experience with lots of things, but doing combat with motorcycles on the interstate is not Oh, his wheelhouse. And he didn't want to hurt anybody. You know, you could do something like, I don't know, throw stuff at the motorcyclists, but he didn't want to cause a big wreck. He didn't want to hurt or kill the motorcyclists or any innocent passersby that happened to be there. So thinking fast, I always thought that an exit was coming up and it was Security Boulevard. And he knows, he knew that part, and he knew actually another way that they could go been planning to take them around and up 83 and then across to Philadelphia, but he realized that they could take that to 70 and go up another way. So we got on the walkie-talkie and we said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to exit right here. Other than the motorcycles, we've got a clear lane to the exit, so we're going to make a sharp turn. And that should throw them off. Ready? We'll lead. Follow me. One, two, three. And so Ollie's car veered off to the right and got on the exit ramp and Marge's car and the following car uh, went off at the same time too. The motorcyclists that had been to the right of them had to kind of veer out of the way but dodge between them and weren't, they weren't able to get back over in time so they were, they got away. 
I said, it's no big deal. There's other routes to go. Just, I'll, I'll, I'll read out some new directions to you in just a second. Let me make sure, confirm a few things. I thought, well, that's weird. How is anybody even finding us? Like, I, all I thought, I tried to like Google Marge Bouvier and understand, you know, why they needed so much protection. There wasn't much information. It wasn't like the paparazzi were following them, were following her. But somehow, these attackers seemed to know where they were. Well, they had to go out on 70 for a while before they could turn to the north again to get to Philadelphia. And after not too far, I got a call on the walkie-talkie that said Miss Bouvier wanted to stop get a coffee and use the restroom. I said, all right, well, um, yeah, there's a, there's a donut shop near here. Good donuts, good coffee, clean restrooms. So they all pulled in there. And the big burly security guards went in first and sort of checked the place out. And all they went in and it all seemed fine. And so then she came in, used the restroom and she had a coffee and she ordered coffee and donuts for everybody on the security deal that they wanted it. And all I thought that was classy of her. He had a donut and a coffee. Well, they rarely turned down a coffee. Then they got back in the car and they started driving again. And I thought, all right, well, we should have lost them now. She's not that famous, he thought. We've deviated from the route we planned, so even if there's some sort of mole... Yeah, they don't even know where we're going. I'm the only one that knows where we're going. Oh, knows how we're getting there anyway. Well, I took him up kind of a country road, and here's kind of the trick to it, because you'll get there faster, you know, going on the highway, but there's a fair amount of roads in that part of the country that, you know, it's a random country road. You can go 50 miles an hour on there or whatever. Just goes from farm to farm or whatever. And so that's what they did. And it's actually a lovely drive. It's it's pretty up there. And they went along. And then all I saw something that he did not expect again. Because they got to a crossroads. So it was a bigger road, not not a not a highway. But as they came up to the intersection, there were a whole crew of people, maybe ten people, on foot chains and bats and things waiting at the intersection blocking the whole thing I said how do they keep finding us I need to understand how they're finding us or I can't prevent this from happening the guy in the back car following car said alright let me deal with them first and then I can brief you so the following car revved up, started charging toward the line of people. And I thought, oh, man, I don't want to see this. This is, this is bad. This is bad. But as the following, well, now the leading car sped toward them, people chickened out. And they jumped out of the way. And all three cars went popping through the line. Then I got on the Rocky Talkie. said, all right, we made it through that. Now tell me what's going on. And then a different voice came on the Rocky Talkie. And it was Marge. Ollie, I have a confession to make. I said, okay. 
I'm not exactly what you think I am. Oh, is that yeah, no? Oh, yeah, sure. I, it seemed a little odd, but uh, what do I need to know? Well, what you need to know is that I'm not even human. And I'm not really an actress. That's why you didn't find me. I know you Googled me. I know you tried to search me out. You didn't find me because I am not there. I am a cybernetic organism. I said a cybernetic, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a cyborg. You're a, you're a, a robot. I prefer cyborg, but yes. I'm afraid I seem to have a tracking device on me. In me, I don't even know. I think we should pull over and you can just see what you can find. So they pulled over, not even at a gas station, just like a closed farm stand. And the big burly security people, they kind of formed a printer, perimeter. And Mars said, okay, Ollie, um, how do we find a tracking device on a cyborg? I said, wow, y'all have a really high estimation of my skill set. Um, let me think, let me think. Then he remembered something. That when you're sitting next to a speaker at like a play or a movie and a call comes in on your cell phone, that sometimes the incoming call interferes with the speaker and you get this sort of garbly noise on the speaker just from the electromagnetic waves of the call being picked up by the phone nearby. And I said, all right, I've got an idea. Mm, I need somebody's cell phone number. And Marcia said, well, you can have mine. And she gave him the phone number. I said, all right. Um, you there. What's your name? Mike. Mike, I need you to hold this phone. Don't answer it. Just let it ring. And I called the number. And he started sort of moving his phone around her person. At first there was nothing, but then he got up to her shoulder. And there, as the call rang, he saw a little blink. And a blink again. And a blink again. Every time the phone rang, there was some kind of interference. And I said, your shoulder. Have you had anything... Has anybody messing with your shoulder? And Marge said, yes. Dang it. I just had some work done on the shoulder. I just had some work done on the shoulder, and I thought that guy seemed a little sketch. <sighs> All right. What do you see? I said, there's a blinking object right above what in a human would be where your shoulder blade meets your arm bone. I said, All right. You may or may not want to watch this. And she flicked her fingers, and her nails became sharp. And she, her hand darted in and cut into her shoulder. Ollie flinched and thought he was going to have to watch a, you know, you know, blood and guts. But of course, if she's a cyborg, there were no blood and guts. As her fingernails went through the sort of fake flesh of her shoulder, 
there's no it was there's a little bit of a blue sort of lubricant sort of looking liquid but it wasn't gory it wasn't gross it didn't look like cut up flesh under the skin she looked like a cyborg and there about a centimeter under the flesh was a little tracker You can only could tell right away. It was about the shape of a, it was about the size of a, a one euro coin. It had a little antenna and it was shaped kind of like a kidney. I'd seen trackers like this before. I thought, ah, yeah, those have a long range. That explains it. Hmm. All right. I need a volunteer. Someone who can be our decoy. That same guy, Mike, again said, I'll be your huckleberry. All right, you take this. Stay here. Actually, no, don't stay here. Call an Uber and head west. Doesn't matter where. Um, There is, where are we now? Okay. This is good for you. There's a pick-your-own-apple orchard about 10 miles to the west of here. You take yourself to there, go pick some apples, but be ready for a crew of assassins to come and attack you. And like that, well, uh, that's it. All right, sure, sounds fun. So you handed him the tracker device. Everybody else got back in the car, and off they drove. And they drove without incident for like 45 minutes. And then they got a call. <sighs> okay, yeah, it worked. I've got to go to the urgent care now. And Marge chimed in and said, are you okay? I said, yeah, no, they um, they did follow me here. And this time it was three, three dudes in overalls came stomping toward me. Once they saw that I wasn't you, they got a little frustrated and confused. And I used that moment to kind of surprise them. But they they got me pretty good. But I got them better. And I made sure they didn't have a chance to radio anybody. So I think you're in the clear, Marge. I said, well, thank you, Mike. It'd be a bonus for you and dinner at my house. And so they drove the three cars and made it up to Philadelphia from there with, without incident. Got Marge checked into the hotel. And I said, "All right, I think um, I think that's it for me. I'm gonna, I guess I'll catch a train back to Baltimore." Said, well, there's one more thing. Sure, I said, "What's up?" This won't be a surprise, but you can't tell anybody what you learned here. You can't tell anyone that I'm a cyborg. You can't tell anyone that cyborgs are as advanced as I am. I'm afraid we have to swear you to secrecy. I said, hey, I'm on the job here. You're paying me for my time. We call that, you know, client confidentiality. I'll tell you what, we'll really buy my silence. What's that? If you buy me another cup of coffee. And that was Ollie and the two beautiful ladies.